Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Amen. Well, as we shift gears and come into our time where we're prepared to hear the word, I want to invite for just the briefest of moments, Pastor <laughs> Tim, to come up with me so we can pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Tim. I thank you for uh, the work that you did in and through him already since he's been on the grounds, Lord. And I just thank you for the work that you are going to do tonight and continue to do through the week, Lord. Uh, I pray that you strengthen him, empower him, uh, and that you give him words, Lord, that these not be his words, but that your words come through him, that you might make yourself known in and amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Kendall. Oh my gosh, I thought I was at Sister Act for just a second. Like, over, like Michelle, right? Did y'all have ever seen Sister Act? Come on, y'all ever seen Sister Act? I mean, that's why I'm thinking, like, the whole choir should have, like, gotten up and started singing. Like, y'all like, yeah, I mean, that's like, I'm waiting for Whoopi, you know, is it Whoopi? No, who is it? Whoopi Goldberg. I'm waiting for her to come out and sing. That's amazing, Michelle. Oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. How y'all doing? All right. So, um, she's like, don't do this. Hey, Emily. Where's Jade? Hey, Jade. So I got to tell y'all, I do camps like a lot. I do a lot of camps. And um, I've done like, I don't know, this is like my sixth or seventh one this year already. And this is my favorite one already. I, don't, I mean, it seriously is. I mean, it's like my favorite one. My, come on, the music and, and Michelle and, and the people and Michelle and, and the, uh, the food and Michelle and but last night, last night, last night, so I'm, I'm sitting around after the, the time where we're talking. I had a chance to pray with some of y'all and, and talk with some of y'all. And, and I got over to the ice cream like at like, like late o'clock, okay? Like I was there at late o'clock. So I got there, and I'm walking, and I had to put my stuff back at the cabin, and I'm walking. And as I'm walking, I, hear, I see everybody with their ice cream bowls, and, and as they're with their ice cream bowls, I hear the horrible news. There was no more chocolate mint ice cream. I almost drove eight hours back home <laughs> at, at, at 10 o'clock, whatever, 9.30. And so I'm getting there, and what I was hearing, so I'm picking up little bits and pieces as I'm walking, and I'm hearing that my choices are going to be butter pecan. I can't stand butter pecan. No offense, I just can't. Sorry, sorry. Or Superman. Now, Superman's okay, but it's not, right? So what I heard, now I think it was false because what I heard was that might be your choice. And so I'm walking, and so I'm already because I'm walking to the ice cream like this, and by the time I get there, I'm like kind of like downcast and down, and, and I'm standing there, and I don't even think, I don't even, I've never met you, Emily. I don't think you, I don't, you were in here last night, I guess, maybe. Okay, so I don't know if I called you out or looked at you or preached in front of you at one point. All I know is Emily and Jade. So I'm standing, I'm just about ready to deal with my fate. My fate. And somewhere she pulls out the last double scoop of chocolate mint ice cream. And because she even said, it's, it's the, oh, no, no, that's the pastor. This is for him. 
So thank you. I mean, I just, I love you guys. Thank you so very much. And it's like, I mean, literally, you are already sanctified and gone on to perfection. There is nothing else left for y'all to go in faith. I mean, you all are, you all are, you're sanctified. So, no, thank you guys so much. Oh, my gosh, it was so good. And uh, love you guys and appreciate you. And uh, that was just a blessing. I told my wife, I literally called my wife last night and said, you'll never guess what happened. And she's, like, thinking I was going to talk about the altar call or, or think about, you know, people got saved or, or people gave their life to the Lord and they got called. No, there's, there's this lady at the ice cream shop, and she saved for me chocolate mint ice cream. She said, oh, and she said, how was the other night? Oh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the ice cream was great. And we're having it tonight, right? All right, I'll go quick. I'm done. Let's go. Let's pray. Amen. All right. So we love you guys. Hey, Adam, where you at, man? Where's Adam? Uh, hey, so I got to tell you this story really quick. I wasn't going to tell the story, but so some of y'all, I heard, I gave you a, a little piece of the testimony last night. I gave you a little bit of the testimony. For those who are at Bible study this, this morning, I gave you a little bit more of the testimony uh, this morning for Bible study where I, I remember, some of y'all know, I, I, I couldn't talk. I was born premature. Uh, 1964, and I was born two months premature. I'm a twin. I have a twin sister. She beat me by five minutes, and we were both preemies, and we stayed in the incubator for like two months. And so because of that, I had a significant speech impediment. I literally could not talk for 14 years of my life. And, and now I'm making up for it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, uh, so all of this, you know, so um, I... Um, I meet my wife, Pam, at the journal, at the newspaper I worked at, Adam, and um, I'm not saved, not even close. Remember I was what? Remember I was what? I was what? A Christian atheist. A Christian atheist. A Christian atheist. For those who weren't here last night, a Christian atheist is someone who professes to be a Christian. To all accounts and by all the world standards, they are, but God knows the heart. That heart has not been born again. And we just don't want you fooled. The reason some pastor comes up and yells and screams is because we don't want you fooled at the end of time. When you're standing before Jesus, we don't want that to all of a sudden like be the aha moment. Oh, no, I was a Christian atheist because at that moment, what? Too late. So this is why pastors and evangelists do what they do, I think, for the most part. Right, Kendall? We just want people saved. We want people legitimately born again. And, 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 and we talked this last night, last night, we talked last night, I'm coming back at you, Adam, uh, but we talked about this last night. If you swallow a grenade, something's going to change on the inside, boom, right? And then like when, 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 when God comes to live inside of you, boom, and all that God stuff should come out, right? So there should be some change. When you're born again, there should be, right, right? There should be some born again, right? Some, there's a born again. That means something is different. Amen? Amen? I love you youth. I'm so glad y'all here. We're going to talk about, boom. Is that right? Is that weird for an old man to do? Okay, right. so I'll come back at y'all in just a second. I'm coming back at y'all in just a second. All right, so 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 I just that's why we do what we do. We just want y'all to be to, to be alive in Christ, awake in Christ, awake in Christ, not not to be dead in Christ, not to pretend in Christ. So I was a faker, and Adam, uh, I, she, she she worked in a, the department that I didn't supervise, so I, I could kind of date her on the sly. We hadn't dated yet. I thought she was cute. 
That's all. I just thought she was cute. She liked the outdoors. She liked canoeing. I like canoeing. Uh, I, and so I like outdoors. She liked, She was a volleyball player. I'm a basketball player, baseball player. And I'm like, so we just thought, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, just maybe. So I go to her desk. It's a Thursday night. I go to her desk. Now, don't, don't shoot me. I go, can I, can I use you for, I said, you're, I just want to find a safe person to do this with, okay? I literally come up and I sit on the edge of the desk kind of like this. Hey. Not even kidding. Long before Joey Tribbiani made it famous, I said, how you doing? I'm a kid. Joey, for friends, anybody, any friends group, any friends, any friends, he took it from me. That he owes me royalty, okay? So I'm like sitting on the edge of the desk, kind of like letting my leg kind of swing, like, how you doing? She didn't even look up. Like, who is this creeper guy? Who's this weirdo? So, so, so we start talking, and I say, so what would it do? What, what would happen if somebody like me would ask you out? This is a Thursday. It was either Memorial Day or Labor Day. We have any couples in here have a perpetual argument where you just don't remember, he remembers something different than she remembers, she remembers something that he remembers. Any, any couple in here have that kind of thing? It's not like a really argument. We just, you know, it's just like I'm right, she's wrong, that kind of thing, right? Does that make sense? So, so I don't know, I can't remember if it's Memorial Day or Labor Day. We just know it was a weekend because she took a long weekend. She, at the time, we worked in E-Town, Kentucky, and uh, she lives in e she lives in Chicago. And so I'm, I'm asking and saying, so what do you think, her name's Pam, what do you think, Pam, if, I don't know, we grab a pizza and a movie. And she said this, well, I'll have to pray about it. I said to the, I said to the Bible study this morning, I didn't ask her to have my children at the moment. I asked her to have pepperoni pizza. That's all I asked. And for the first time in my life, I realized, oh, you mean everything you do. Everything you do, everything you do needs to go through the Lord. You mean everything you do is supposed to go through the Lord? You mean every penny you spend goes through the Lord? You mean every word that you speak goes through the Lord? Are you serious? You can't be, you can't be, you're kidding me. The Bible doesn't say an all-out surrender, does it? I surrender some, I surrender some, a little bit to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender a little bit less than yesterday, oh man, so Adam, I'm sitting there and you're telling that story, I'm sitting there for the first time, for the first time in my adult life, I'm 26, 27 years old, and I'm realizing there's a legit Christian in my midst. Someone who just actually will, she was going to go home. That's what she said. I'm going to go home for the weekend. That's why we knew it was like a holiday weekend. I'm going to go home for the weekend, uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day weekend. I'm going to go home for the weekend. I won't be back till Tuesday. So she's going to be gone. She's leaving right after work on Thursday, and she's going to be about gone on until Tuesday. Five days she's going to be in the presence of God asking <laughs> if she should date me. <laughs> Dominic, I just said, you know, why don't you just save the time? Let me save you the time. I think I'll know what God will say. Run. <laughs> run. Just run. 
run from the guy. No, of course not. You're not going to date me. She comes back, and I'm like, I'm just scared to death. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not even a Christian. I, I go to church. I pretend. I, I speak the talk. I don't walk the talk, but, but I, I, I'm scared to death of what the answer is going to be. And so I see her back on the following Thursday. And, and so Thursday night, how you doing? And we chatted a little bit, and we said, so, so how did your weekend go with the Lord? She said, well, the Lord said yes on two conditions. I said, okay. I don't know where you're going, but let's go. Now, just, I'm just going to tell you this. Exactly what she said. She said, I'm a virgin. And I'll be a virgin on my wedding night. God still loves purity. And good news, he can restore purity for those who have lost it. God's a restoring God. God's a redeeming God. God still loves purity. Amen. Now let's just make sure we're clear. I was not a virgin at the time. I had my first sexual experience at age 12. Yes, age 12. And if you remember my background of some of your te- of the testimony I shared last night and even at Bible study, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. We want to sing a chorus of that? No, let's not. And, and, and I'm just telling you, I know, I, know, I know what it's like to kind of find, try to find love in all the wrong places. And, and so she tells me the first one, I'm like, whoo, okay. The second one probably can't be as bad as that one, but I don't, I mean, let's go. What's the second one? And she, got, she just said, I just need you to know. Listen, number two, number two, listen, number two, listen. I'm always going to love another man more than you. I'm always going to love another man more than you. And if you can handle that, then let's go grab some pizza. But if you can't handle that, don't waste my time. She's from Chicago. She, she had that, she had that, she had that, she still got that little Chicago moxie about her. But, but she just looked at me, she said, if you can deal that, if you can deal that. Because I'm going to stay pure until my wedding night, and I'm always going to love Jesus more than you. Always. I'm always going to pick Jesus over you. Listen, I'm always going to pick Jesus over you. Kind of girl I want, for sure. It's not the girl I expected. And so young people. I'm coming at you about 15 times tonight. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Y'all just like, yeah, yeah seriously, y'all just love, love you guys, love you guys. I just want to share with you that because I think that's a high bar, but that's the bar that God sets for you. Don't settle for less than what God has for you in a spouse or a mate. The bar is high. And, and, and let God set that bar, Amen. Amen. Let God set that bar, young people. I know that there's other people, young people around the midst here, but I would just tell you, just, just, I would just go after what God has for you. Wait, because God has something better for you than when you don't wait. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm 58 years old. I've been in ministry 25 years. Guess what I now do a lot of times? I counsel young people who dated wrongly. They got their hearts broken, and 20 years later, they're still dealing with a broken, wounded heart. They come to me to help me to, so far I can help them kind of walk through it. Do yourself a favor, don't give your heart to anybody who hasn't given their heart to Jesus. 
I mean like all out surrender, all out surrender. So I just had that, I just thought, I just think that's just, so my wife and I, we did go on that date with pizza, we did go for a movie, and about a year or so later, a year and a half later, we got married, and we started our life here in Michigan. So that's how, and we've been doing it now for 31, going on 32 years. So, um, and there's more stories I can tell you about that second piece. That second piece got me. That second piece. The first one kind of was aggravating and frustrating as a, as a non, as a Christian atheist. But that second piece, that I'm always going to put someone above you, I'm always going to love someone more than you, that one got into some real arguments. But we won't do that tonight. We'll do that maybe later this week. All right. So let's go to our passage of Scripture. Who did their homework? Who did their homework? Our homework is Romans 8. Read Romans 8. Go back tonight. Read Romans 8. Just kind of stay in that marinade. Who's a cook? Anybody a cook in the house? Anybody a cook? Anybody knows how to cook, right? So if you marinate something, what does marinate mean? You soak it, right? If you marinate something in, uh, if, let's say you marinate pork. We had pork tonight. Let's say you marinate pork in, in like some kind of uh, special sauce for like, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes. Is that good? It can take some of the flavor. What's better? A couple of hours. Yeah. Anybody like brisket? Anybody like brisket better than me? Ain't, ain't nobody like brisket Emily, Jade, your next assignment, hunt down some brisket for the pastor, okay? So, so I love brisket. And, uh, and so, so, this bri- so, so brisket, how long does good brisket take? Like all day, 12 hours in like, in like a, uh, in basting, I guess, or, or just curing or whatever. What, what do they call it? Smoking it? Yeah. So, so whatever it is, it has to kind of stay. So when we read the Bible in three minutes or less, are you marinating? I'm not a fan of five-minute devotions. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not a fan of drive-through, drive-by devotions. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the apps that make it so easy just to kind of, uh, like, two-minute devotions. I'm just not a fan of those. That's not marinating. Marinating is in the Word. And so the first challenge tonight, are you? Are you? Just eyeball, eyeball, honest, honest. Are you in the Word? If you're not, then you're not serious about the Holy Spirit ruling your life. You're not. You're not serious about this Christian life if you're not in the Word. You've got to get in the Word. God has given us the Word of God for the, the, the reason He's given it to us, for, for, to know His heart, to know His character, to know who, who, who He is, to know what He loves and what He hates. Yes, He hates. We're going to see something tonight He hates. We're going to see something tonight that He hates. And he's inviting us to hate the same thing. He's inviting us to hate the same thing. So I'm just one of the challenges is are we in the word of God? Are we really in the word of God? Because here's the deal. I know we're busy. We've got priorities everywhere. We're doing everything under the sun. And we just don't give God time to marinate us, right? Come on, guys. Help me out, right? I just want to challenge right now. Just right now. Just, just right now. Just challenge you. Are you in the word of God? If you're not marinating in that word, Chuck, right? Uh, Justin, close. <laughs> I don't know. Justin. I got it. Justin. I got it. But if we're not in the Word of God, right, we can't expect to know God's heart or hear from God because God's going to use His Word to speak to us. Amen? Come on, guys. Come on. Amen? And so I just want you to make sure you're marinating. I know we got a lot, a lot of things during the camp, but I just want to just invite you. Spend some time marinating in Romans 8. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go. First one right here. Let's take a look. All right. 
So I just want to tell you this. Um, anybody know, somebody give, me, somebody, somebody, somebody give me really quick what Romans 6, give me like six or seven word recap of what Romans 6 is all about. Sin is dead. Somebody say that with me. Sin is dead. Say it again. Sin is dead. One more time. Sin is dead. So in southern Indiana, I do a lot of running. I run. And that 5K, I kind of got my attention. Where are we starting at? All right, where are we dying at? After we're done. Over there. Okay, okay. So I just got to know where I'm going. So, so, uh, so we'll see. But I do a lot of running. I do some biking. Um, uh, I got into tire flipping a few years ago. I got a 500-pound tire I flipped for fun uh, up a hill. But, but, but I, I do a lot of running. And when I'm running, I'm running past roadkill. All kinds of roadkill. I'm running past roadkill. I'm running past skunks. I'm running past uh, 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 birds of all kinds and squirrels and little bunny rabbits and all that. But the most common roadkill I run past is... Not raccoon, not deer. Possum. Who said possum? Somebody up here. Possum. Kendall. So I'm running, and I see possum after possum, and I still don't know how they continue to regenerate. Because I think they come back to life. I do. I, they are eternal creatures because they, they keep coming back, and they're all over the place. But have you ever noticed the evolution of a possum, of a dead possum? Have you noticed the evolution of it? Okay, here's the evolution of a dead possum. Boom! Gets hit. And it's just like fresh. Right there, it's just like that. And it's just like, boom, fresh. And then about a week later, the possum is still there, but half of it's gone because the turkey vultures have come and picked at it. The buzzards have come and picked at it. The animals have come and picked at it. Even, even, even own, their own possum kind has come and picked at it. It's just crazy. And then about a week later, now there's only a skeleton left with a tail. About a week or two later, now it's just kind of like an imprint. All you got is like fur. Guys, about a month and a half, two months later, you still have the grease of the possum. For eight weeks, for eight weeks, that possum has been what? For eight weeks, that possum has been what? Dead. Dead. That possum has been marinated. It's been marinated. Woo. Yeah. That's good. That possum's dead, but you can still see remnants of the possum. That's like sin. Your sin is dead. I'm gonna lay this. I'm gonna lay today. This is the message of today, and and, and this is like this. This is like it. This is it. This, we're gonna come right back to it. But this is it. You don't have to sin. 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 Turn to your neighbor, because it'll take a while if I go to everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. Mind blown. You don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. Neither do I. None of us have to sin. Because sin is 
dead. Sin is dead. Romans 6. Reads Romans 6. I'm going to tell you, if I was, on a, if I was like going to be exiled somewhere, if I was going to be in prison for my faith, if I was going to be put somewhere where I could only have like, like three chapters in the entire Bible, I love Genesis 1, one of my favorite. Every January in my church, I preach from Genesis 1 every single year. I've done it for like 15 years now. I preach every year for about eight weeks from Genesis 1. Love Genesis 1. I love the Gospel of John. I love a lot of those passages. But if I could pick. Only one little piece of scripture to take with me if I was in exile. It would be Romans 6, it would be Romans 7, and it would be Romans 8. Because in those three chapters, it tells us the real problem, it tells us the real reality, and it tells us the real hope. That's what it tells us. The real problem in, in Romans 6 is sin is dead. There was something Jesus did that was powerful and it was all-encompassing. And, and we sing about this king, and this king didn't just lie. Come on, guys. King Jesus didn't die so you would suffer in your sin for 40 years. Stop living below the bar. There's a bar that's higher. The bar is we don't have to sin. We've taught our church over the last several years the phrase, I'm a sinner. I'm just a sinner. If you're saved, that's not biblically accurate. Michelle, it's not accurate. You know what God did? Oh, my gosh. 25 years ago, for this wretched, self-centered, lying, horrible wretch of a man. You know what he did? Turned me into a saint. Wow. St. Timothy. Has a nice ring to it. Kidding, kidding. But I'm a saint. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. And you are too if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, you are a sinner. If you're not born again, you're a sinner. If you're born again, you're a saint. Guess what saints sometimes do? Sin. Oh, I don't know. Y'all catching me. Y'all picking up what I'm dropping down tonight? Check it out in Scripture. Sinners are those who rebel against God. Sinners are those who go against God. Sinners are not th those people who just make bad mistakes every now and then. We talked about this last night. Who was here last night? Raise your hand last night. Raise your hand if you were here last night. You remember, you remember last night. You remember last night we talked about a stain. You remember talking about a stain? We talked about changing the definition of sin. You remember this? We talked about changing the definition of sin. Guys, guys, I'm just laying on you 2,000 years of Bible teaching. This is 2,000 years of teaching that somehow or another we've, we've kind of got messed up. Sin is what we do. No, it's not. Sin is what? A stain. Sin is a stain. You are born a sinner. Check out the Psalms. Check out King David. I was a sinner in my mother's womb. Well, what in the world? What did that little baby in the womb already do? Nothing. Sin is not what you do. Sin is who you are. It's worse than cancer. Cancer just takes away your body. Sin takes away your soul and your spirit. Jesus came to cleanse. Remember last night in Titus. Who took the blood of Jesus and washed the stain away? The Holy Spirit. In Titus 3, check it out. Titus 3, 
3 through 7. Read it yourself. The Holy Spirit took the blood of Jesus. He took what only the Son could do, and he did only what he could do. And he supernaturally washed your stain away. You went from sinner to saint. Oh, my gosh, that should get into us somehow. Funny story. I'm doing a tent event. About 2,000 people. I, there's this guy back in the back, and I'm just getting all riled up because I get excited about Jesus. You know, some people don't like me for my passion. They really don't. They really. People, I had a little old woman years, a thousand years ago when I first started in ministry, and I walked through the church one day, and, and, and I was kind of like all riled up like this and like sweaty, you know, and all this, and like, oh, Jesus saved my life. Now, I've told you all, the only thing, that I'm, the only reason I'm here is Jesus. That's the only reason I'm here. I love Jesus more than my wife. And guess who taught me that? My wife. Amen? And, and so my passion, one day, my, this little woman, kind of, she came up to me. I love her so dearly. But she came up and she kind of wagged that finger and she said, Pastor Tim. Well, I was in Kentucky. They call you brother, brother Tim. Brother Tim, she said, she, what's your name? Yeah, Nat. So Nat, she, she raised, wagged her finger at me. She said, Brother Tim, I love you. But your passion is going to get you in trouble. Sure enough, <laughs> prophecy came to truth. Some people don't like me yelling about Jesus. I guess we just got to reserve that for a ball game. I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm, I'm roaming around, and I'm in the back, and I see this guy with his wife, and, and, and I'm right here, and I'm talking about just, you just gotta, you just gotta let God change your heart, and, and, and you're okay if I kind of tap on your chest a little bit, okay, so I'm like doing this, like a little harder, I'm like, he's gotta change your heart, he's gotta change your heart, he's gotta change, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you might want to be careful, <laughs> and so I actually looked at the wife, I said, so I'm in mid-punch, I looked at the wife, I said, is his heart okay? And she said, he had a stint yesterday. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I was just, thank you, Holy Spirit, for telling me. I wish you had told me a little earlier. Maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe I wasn't listening. But all I'm telling you is that sin is dead. Sin is supposed to be dead in your life. But, but, but we choose. Just like that possum, we go, that stain is still there. And listen, Satan is smarter than any of us. Satan is smarter than any of us. Satan is smarter than any of us. But he's not smarter than the Holy Spirit who's supposed to live inside of you. You have no chance against the enemy. You have no chance against the enemy. We have no chance against the enemy. He has been practicing his craft for at least 6,000 years. If he can fool and dupe Adam and Eve who walk side by side with God every day, he is going to eat your lunch. He's going to chew you up, spit you out four times before you can even realize what's happening. And then you're going to be fooled, and then you're going to be a Christian atheist. And something real hasn't happened in your life yet. And at the end of your life, you stand before a God who said, I gave you every chance in the world to let the Holy Spirit blow you up inside. The possum had been dead for eight weeks, nine weeks. 
10 weeks, and there's still the stain. There's that greasy little stain on the, on the road as I'm running by it. And I just had this picture of Romans 6, that, that, that Romans 6 is this, it's this reality. Sin is dead, but sin still lures us. Still, sin does this, right? Still does, still sin, sin, does, sin, sin, does, sin, sin does this, right? Sin does this, right? Right? Come up here real quick, man. What's your name? Seth? Seth? Come here, Seth. I asked you your name last night, didn't I? Yeah, okay, so I'll remember it tomorrow night. All right, here's what we do. Young people, pay attention. Here's what we do. Here's what we do with sin. Here's what we do with sin. Do you know how to do patty cake? Okay, I don't. So help here. No, I do it. So here you go. I think we know. Right there. So boom, boom. Do we do two? Boom. Let's do two. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. Let's do. Let's do two. That's all right. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. Keep on. Yeah. There you go. And so this is what we do. So I'll be Satan tonight, and Seth is a Christian. But guess what he's doing? He's playing patty cake with the devil. Oh, you missed it, all right? So we keep on, keep on. So we keep on doing this. We keep on playing patty cake, and all of a sudden, this is what happens. This is what happens. And then we say, God, what happened? God, you weren't there for me. I sent you a Holy Spirit inside of you to teach you not to play patty cake with the devil. You haven't had soldier surgery lately, have you? Okay, okay. Thank you, Seth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Like, oh. We can't play with sin and think that God is going to rescue us all the time. God has given us. We're going to see this in Romans 8. But Romans 6 is really important. Sin is dead. Say that again. Sin is dead. Say, I don't have to sin. Say, I don't have to sin. Say, I don't have to sin. Guys, it's important to know that. This is the truth. You choose to sin. We choose to sin. We choose to lose our temper. We choose to walk into that, that, that mess of a relationship. We choose. You know why we choose to sin? Come on, guys. You know why we choose to sin? Because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit inside of us. You're a saint. If you're born again, we're going to talk about identity a little bit tonight. You're a saint if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, you're a sinner. And there's no hope for you except Jesus. Amen? The only way that you can get to heaven is by Jesus. That's it. Emily, that's the only way, right? The only way. Only way. I, I can't bribe them with all the chocolate and ice cream in the world. I can't. There's nothing I can do to make God love me uh, and, and accept me into heaven except by, by, he already loves me. He loves every single person. He loves every single person. But, the, but the only by the blood, only by allowing the Holy Spirit to wash my sinful self clean can I enter into heaven. That's Bible truth. Amen? Oh, my gosh. You know how often that's not being preached today? I do these all the time, and I preach, and I listen, and I watch, and, and, and Chuck, I'm kidding, Justin, I got it. <laughs> Justin, I, I look at people's eyes, and I'm thinking, some people, now some people just don't like the fact that I move around. I, I just thinking I'll move around until I can't, amen? There's one day I probably won't be able to move around as much. Until then, let's go. But I'm just saying, if we understand this right, Nate, that we are actually saints, it changes your identity. Young people, tell me yes or no. Just tell me yes or no. Identity, a big deal. Yes or no. 
Identity as a young person, yes or no? Identity, under attack, yes or no? Identity, like who you are, who you are to your friends, who you are to, to, to your peers, who you are to your parents, who you are to the world, who you are in society. Big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. Identity. Say identity. Identity. Guys, right here, look at this. Very first verse in Romans 8. And I'll come to Romans 7 in just a second because somebody needs to tell me what Romans 7 is all about. Somebody get ready to tell me what Romans 7 is all about. But Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Guys, I grew up in a home where I was told I wasn't wanted. I was the baby of six, and my mom and dad, alcoholics as they were, wanted three kids. I was told all my life that I was useless. I, they hated me. They, they did not want me alive. They did not want me. I told you last night. Grew up in such a, a, a home that I could tell you story after story. I could tell you the story when I called the police on my daddy. After, having, after my daddy had broken my mom's nose and her arm in a drunken rage. I'm eight years old. I'm nine years old. I call. I don't have 911. I got, y'all know this, right? I had this. What I had just done, dial the operator. I'm an eight, nine-year-old scared little boy, and I said, I don't know what to do, but my daddy just really hurt my mom. And so, and so, and so the police, like the whole E-Town police force showed up. And my dad was so excited. Police show up and they understand what's happening. They, there's, at that point, there were, they didn't do battery charges for domestic violence. They didn't do that. They just kind of pulled my daddy aside. A couple of police officers said, hey, can you, like, kind of sleep it off? That was what they did. So my daddy goes back in after the police. I'm standing in, the, like, the hallway right there. I'm, I'm eight, nine years old, little, uh, well, I'm a little big guy. Remember, I was about, a, I, I told them, I, I don't know if I didn't tell you this last night, but in some, uh, at the Bible study this morning, uh, I was 190 pounds in sixth grade. I couldn't talk until I was 14. Anybody want to talk about bullying? I got a story or two. My identity was wrapped up in my image. My, my identity was wrapped up with my parents. My identity was wrapped up in everything else except Jesus. And, and I'm standing there, and my daddy, I, I remember him so clearly. We had a, a deadbolt, and we had the chain. He, pow, six foot four, big, lean, tall, lean, mean, cussing, fighting machine. He stands there with his back to me. I'm back here a little ways. He turns around, and in a low voice, he bends down, and he says, you do that again, and I will kill you. That's what my daddy did. You know what he did the rest of the night? Anybody want to guess what he did the rest of the night? He was a hunter. He was a military man. He cleaned all of his weapons all night long. Anybody want to guess if an eight- and nine-year-old little boy got any sleep that night? Wide awake, thinking he's going to kill me. I felt condemnation all my life, guys. I felt condemnation. I felt this sense of dread. I, I, I was an introvert most of my life in high school. I couldn't speak. I had really no friends. I, I, I got involved sexually at age 12 because I was looking for love in all the wrong places, right? All of that condemnation. Guys, condemnation is a big deal. But when you really are in Jesus Christ, guess what? There is no condemnation. Guys, that's big. That's huge. It changes everything. I don't have to be fearful of anybody. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have, guys, 
I don't even care what you think of me. And it is freeing. Oh, my gosh. I used to be the biggest people pleaser in the world. Today it's like, I love you, but I don't care. I don't care if you like me or not. I don't care if you like my haircut. I don't care if you like my outfit, my dress. My I don't care. I just love Jesus. I just want you to love Jesus. That's it. That's it. I just love Jesus. Just want you to love Jesus. I, I just love Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my life. That's all I want. I want people to know Jesus real, real, real. No fake, no forgery, no pretend, no Christian atheism, no no kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, kind of, no. Like real life, like you let the Holy Spirit come into your life and literally radically change your life. And guess who has control of that? You do. God has made his point clear. Amen? How many people does he love? Help me out. How many people does God love? How many people does God want saved? How many people do you think God wants radically on fire with the Holy Spirit just pulsating in and out of them? How many? So you are in charge of that. You give permission to the high God of the universe to come into your life and change you. You do. You have permission, and when you have to give him that permission, he's not going to force himself. He's not going to get you in the headlock. He's not going to twist you on the ground. He's not going to beat the love of Jesus in you. He just invites you. Altar calls. That's what they are. It's just altar calls. It's just an invitation. That's all they are. Seth, that's all they are. It's just this. There's no condemnation. It speaks to identity, guys. When I came to Christ when I was 20, uh, when I was 34 years old, I found my identity. I was supposed to be a radical, radical, radical lover of Jesus. That's my, that's who I am. I just get to preach for the fun of it. My identity is not a preacher. That's not my identity. Y'all getting this? My identity is not as a preacher. I'm not, my identity is not even as a daddy. My identity, I'm a radical lover of Jesus. That's it. That's it. I just want him to do with me whatever he wants to do with me. That's it. I have given my life over. I don't care what he does with me because he saved my life. Eight suicide attempts in the last year before I came to Christ. Eight suicide attempts. You know how many national statistics show how many suicide attempts people survive? Not more than two. Eight suicide attempts in the last year before I came to Jesus. My life was over. I was making, I told them last night, I was making $100,000 a year as a, as a big time, big shot newspaper editor for Gannett. They were taking me to Washington, D.C. They were whining and dining me. They told me I was going to be moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin to be a regional vice president. There's really one thing wrong with Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's called the Packers. I, I don't even want to tell you I'm a Steeler fan. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm sanctified. I'm a Steeler fan. Just kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, what's holding you back? Seriously, I'm just asking. Just, what's holding you back from being radical? I mean radical. On, in, on fire. 
Here's, here's what Romans might say in Romans 6. You might still be hanging on to that possum. But the Bible says the possum is what? Sin is what? So why are you hanging on to the greasy stain? I'm not saying it's easy. Because Romans 7, somebody tell me what Romans 7 means. Somebody, somebody, somebody tell me like five, six words what Romans 7 is all about. Come on. You got to know the word. You got to know the word. What's Romans 7? Make it just real quick. What is it? The law cannot save you from sin. Romans 7 also says this. I, why do I not do what I want to do? And why do I keep doing what I don't want when I want to do what I want to do, but I can't do it? That's Romans 7. Romans 7 is this, is this reality check. Sin, the devil's real. And he'll tempt you and he'll get you thinking that you're not a saint. Some of you for the first time tonight, I believe when I said it, I kind of looked out. Some of y'all have never heard that you're a saint. Some of y'all are still going to leave this place and think yourself a sinner. And in the Bible language, in Jesus' language, in the Old Testament language, a sinner is someone bound for hell. A sinner is someone who is rebelling against God and going to hell. That's what the Bible teaches a sinner is. A sinner is not someone who's accepted. Why? Somebody help me. Somebody help me. How does a sinner accept Jesus in their life and still stay a sinner? That doesn't happen. Jesus' work is all-inclusive, all-comprehensive, all-powerful. There's no sin you can commit that is not under the blood. But you must accept the blood. You're not a sinner if you're born again. If you're not born again, you are. And there's no hope for you. Except Jesus. Amen? Y'all y'all getting that right? I said, y'all getting that right? I really I just got this sense that there's some who are still struggling with this. Check it out. Don't take my word for it. Don't take a sweaty, screaming evangelist word for it. Go to the word of God. Every person that's born again is now a saint. They've been changed. 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 Come on. Come on. Everything old has passed away. Now everything is new. It's called a saint. If you're born again, you're a saint. Guess what saints can do? Sin. Guess what sinners can't do? Get to heaven. There are no sinners in heaven. Only saints who have trusted in Jesus to change their heart from sinful to his. I almost feel like we need an altar call right now. I mean, I got seven more verses to go. I don't know. I'm biblically true, right? I mean, that's right on the mark, right? Yeah. If you're a sinner, Bible teaches, you haven't given your life over to the Lord. You're still living in your sin. 
You still have that rebellious heart, and that rebellious heart is going to take you straight to hell, right? If you have accepted Jesus Christ and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to wash you with his blood, you are a new creation. Is that what the Bible says? You're a new creation. And the new creation takes you from being a sinner to being a saint. Changes your whole outlook. Guess what? I don't walk around like, I'm such a poor sinner. I don't walk around that way. I'm a saint. Now, I do it very humbly, and, lo- and I know who made me a saint. I know who made me a saint. It's sure not me. I know who made me a saint. But me being a saint keeps me in love with Jesus. Because I know who took this wretched old life and turned me around. That's what this means. There's no condemnation. If you're a sinner, there is condemnation. Are you hearing me? If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. You're a saint. If you're not in Christ Jesus, there is condemnation. Satan will heap upon you because you're a sinner. And you haven't trusted in Jesus yet. We just have to start there. In this culture, I've learned you have to start there. You know? You can't, you can't just believe that everybody's at a camp meeting already saved and already a saint. You just can't believe that. And we sang that song, and, and, and I just love this, this, this atmosphere where people find Jesus here. And I love what you've said, Adam. I love what you've said, Kendall. I love what some of y'all have said. Not everyone's ready at this moment. But, boy, we're going to plant some seeds, aren't we? Yeah, no heart condition, right? Okay, I was gentle. I was gentle. I was gentle. All right. Verse 2 real quick, we'll fly through these. Ice creams are waiting, I promise we'll fly through these. My goodness. And because you belong to him, woo, somebody help me out, read these with me. And be, come on, read this with me. And because you belong to him. Ha <laughs> ha, The power of who? The power of who? The power of who? What does it say? What does the word of God say? The power of who? The life-giving spirit. The Holy Spirit frees you. He takes the blood of Jesus, he washes you clean, and he frees you from the from, from that from that hold of the possum grease. He he hold he he frees you from that sense that you don't have to sin. Romans 6, sin is dead. Romans 7, there's a struggle, there's a real enemy, and he causes us to doubt and think and doubt and think. Many times our worst enemy is where? Right here. Amen. And so Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, if I were deserted on an island, if I was locked up in a cage somewhere, locked up in a prison, I would just want Romans 6 and Romans 7 and Romans 8 for the rest of my life just to keep reading and reading and reading and marinating. Verse 3. It's a big one. You don't have to read it with me, but basically what it says is this. I'll just sum it up. I talked about this last night. Guys, oh my gosh. Jeff, I love you, man. I saw your tame tag, yeah, but I saw it earlier today, so I wanted to make sure before I called you Chuck, okay? So, Jeff, if I can read a self-help book to stop my sin, if I can go to a therapist or if I can go to a counselor and they can help me not sin, do I need Jesus? If that's possible, would I need Jesus? It's not possible. But if it were, would I need Jesus? If I could get something else to help me not sin, if I could get someone else to help me not sin, if I could just try a little harder, if I could just kind of just do it a little bit better, 
would I need Jesus? But I wouldn't need Jesus if I could, right? It is so hard to get him to help me on this. I love it. I love it. You're right. But that's what that verse means. That verse means I can't get a self-help book to help myself. My sin is bigger than what I do. That's the point. The point is my sin is bigger than what I do. That's this point. The law of Moses told me, I, if it, guys, if it was just about what I do, then I just don't, I just what? What happens? If it's about, if sin is about what I do, what do I need to do or stop doing? The things I do. But Romans 7 says I can't stop doing what I do because there's something else. Larry, there's something else happening. There's something else happening. It's a sin stain. It's, it's an infection. It's a virus that's causing death inside of me. Sin is a big stinking deal. And it's not what you do. But what you do is the symptoms of the virus. The virus is sin. And it can't be cured. There's no cure. There's no cure. There's no cure. You can't get help. You can't go get somebody. You can't go and, and somebody can talk you out of it. There's only one cure to this virus. The blood of Jesus. That's the real truth. So go ahead, young people. Try to stop sinning. And in 30 years, you'll still be sinning. But young people, start believing the truth of the Bible. Allow the Holy Spirit to come inside your life and free you from sin. And guess what? You won't battle those things that many of us battle. Now, you may have to go through some wars. But you'll have a better understanding of your identity, and you'll have a better understanding of the power who lives within you. Come on. Is that making sense, young people? Making sense? Guys, this is, this is why he says, you can't, there's no way that we can't obey the law. You know, the Bible says, if, if I were to disobey, you know there's like different, do you know this? In Israel, Pam and I have been blessed there. My wife and I have been blessed to go there four or five times. I think I told you last night, we take tours there and, and, and pilgrimages there around usually the first week or two of December. And, and we have found Jewish people still. There are still some, some groups of Jewish people who believe this. Anybody know? Anybody know? Anybody know, how many, anybody know how many laws there are on the books? Anybody remember? Anybody remember? 613 laws. And there's still groups of Jewish people who believe. That if you can keep the law, so like right here, if we're Bayshore, we're all Bayshore, right? We just sang the song, we're Bayshore, we're Bayshore. So if we were here for a week, and if every one of us in this community could go a whole week, true, without breaking one of those 613 laws, Messiah would come. There's still people in Israel who believe that. And guess what? Guess who hasn't come yet? Now, one reason is you can't go a day without sinning by yourself, can you? You can't. We, I can't go a single moment in my life without sinning. I've tried that life, guys. But with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you right now, I don't have to sin. Now, am I telling you I've never sinned since I got born again? No, no. But I sure sin a whole lot less. And I don't want to sin. 
And now I know when I'm patty caking with the devil, Seth, I know I don't even patty cake. I'm thinking, you liar, Satan, you're a liar. I ain't playing your game. I'm a saint. I'm not a sinner. I'm getting so far from you, I don't even know what the, you're, you're, I'm running to Jesus. Because I, all I know is Jesus is the one that turned me from sinner to saint. That's what this whole long passage is on three. Verse four. So God did this, right? He did this to fulfill the requirement of uh, not only the law, but he did it so that we would not follow. What's that last part? There's two spirits. Help me out. Help me out. The more you help me out, the quicker we go. Come on. There's two spirits mentioned in this passage. There's a what? A sinful nature and a holy spirit. So those, we don't have to long. Look at what that says. We don't no longer have to follow our sinful nature. Y'all see that? Look at verse 5. Verse 5 is making it even clearer. Look at this. Those who are dominated, say somebody say dominated. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled, somebody say controlled, by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. There's two camps here, guys. You're either dominated by sinful thoughts or you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see that? I say, you see that? Verse 6, thank you guys back there, love you guys. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads where? But, so I say but. Last night we talked about good buts and bad buts in the Bible. Lots of good buts, lots of bad buts. This is a good but. But what? Help me read this last part. But letting the spirit control your mind leads where? Life and peace, baby. Who wants peace of mind? Tonight, who wants peace of mind? Tonight, who wants peace of mind? Then you need more of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why people are afraid of altar calls. I really don't. I guess pride. I don't know. Why, why are people afraid of altar calls? I used to not go to altar calls because I wasn't saved. But now that I'm in love with Jesus and the altar call is do you want more of Jesus, you don't even have to finish. Remember what happened last night? Remember I told you last night? Did I let Crawford Lorette finish the sermon? I didn't even let Crawford Lorette finish the sermon. I'm running to the altar. I still go to things, and, and when I go just for my own feeding on my soul, when there's an altar call for just, I want more of Jesus, I'm up. I'm there. I just want more of Jesus. I, still, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. No pressure. I, don't, I mean, if you come, you come. If you don't, you don't. There is going to be one. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Anybody want peace of mind? Raise your hand again if you want peace of mind. Then guess what? You probably need more of the Holy Spirit tonight. Amen? It just says, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Here's this last one, I think. Well, next to last one, six, I think seven, eight. Look at verse seven. The sinful nature, oh my gosh. I thought, do y'all get this? Is this making sense? The sinful nature, Eric, is what? what? What is it? What's the sinful nature? Always what? Hostile to God. That means it never, you as a sinful nature is never friends with God. Your sinful nature and God can't be friends. You can't be friends with God if you continue to keep on wanting to sin. You just can't. He wants to be your friend. He wants, to, he wants you in a different place. He wants you to know his power, his grace, his love. But if you continue to hold on to that sin, then you're holding on to something that's hostile to God. The sinful nature never did obey God's laws. And guess what? Guess what? It never will. Last verse, verse 8. Look at this, right? right? One more, yeah. Look at this. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature. What does it say? 
Raise your hand if you want, please, guys. Raise your hand if you want, please, guys. I hope you're not ashamed of raising your hand if you want, please, guys. Raise your hand if you want, please, guys. You want, please, God? Then you need more of his spirit. Does that make sense? Right? Elijah. It's time. It's time. You Bible study folks know what's going to happen. This is so cool. This is such a great example. I want to give you this last example. We're going to have an altar call. We're done. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. You're, uh, this, is a, this is a hoverboard. For those who don't know, he's going to ride all the way around this place. All right. And he's going to tell. I'm going to tell you. Here, let me get out of the way. Okay. 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 Wait, okay. So, okay so, so, all right. So this is a hoverboard. All right. So a hoverboard is uh, propelled by Elijah. Who rides one of these? Who's ready? Anybody rides these? Y'all? Okay, that's what I figure. All right. So, so, so I am an actual expert on a hoverboard, but I'm not going to show anybody up tonight. So I'm just not, I'm not going to show anybody up. You understand that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I'll break my leg, I, I, and God will have to heal me. So, all right. So how he moves forward is by leaning forward. How he goes back. Whoa, sorry, sorry. <laughs> How he goes backwards is you lean backwards, right? Now come in this big call, this big open space. Look what he can do when he just kind of moves his body a little bit. Look what he can do. Look what he can do. All right. Everybody watching? Youth, you watching? Get off that board for a second, Elijah. All right, now step away from it. Tell it to go forward. Now tell it to go forward. Lean forward. Just tell it to go forward. Go forward. Go, tell it to go backwards. Lean back. Okay. Lean. Can you lean back? Can you lean forward? Do your little twirly thing. <laughs> Why isn't it? Is the battery dead? No. What's happening? Why isn't it working? You're not on the hoverboard. You're not on the hoverboard. You're not on the hover. So you got to be on the hoverboard to control it. To do what? To control it. To do what? To control it. You're either controlled by the Holy Spirit or you're dominated by sin. You're either controlled by the Holy Spirit or you're going to be dominated by sin. Satan don't play games. You're either dominated by that sinful nature. I'm just telling you what Romans just told us. You are either dominated by sin or you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. You get to choose. We are the hoverboard. Elijah, be the Holy Spirit. You know, the very first word we see connected to the Holy Spirit, very first word, this is kind of cool. I thought about this yesterday after the Bible study. Very first word, very first word we see connected to the Holy Spirit in all of the Bible. It's in Genesis 1, 2. The very first, Genesis 1, verse 2. Some of y'all have it already. It's what? Hover! Ha! God created the hoverboard just for this moment. <laughs> this hoverboard ain't going nowhere until Elijah controls it. Go wherever you want, man. Let's make sure we pass by the youth. You're the dominant. Yeah, give it up for Elijah. 
You are either controlled by the Holy Spirit or you are dominated by sin. You're either controlled by the Holy Spirit or you're dominated by sin. So tonight. You don't have to do that, but that's okay if you do. <laughs> All right. Elijah, can you do me one more favor? You're either going to hate me or love me after today. Can you come back up here with a hoverboard? I want you to come right here. I want to offer two invitations, just two invitations. So if you just stay right there. Can you come up? Can you bring that hoverboard with you? Bring the hoverboard with you. I want you, I want you, but bring the hoverboard with me. I was noticing you weren't gliding. You don't have to ride it. Just All right. So here's why here's here's why I feel like the Lord may be placed on my heart. Here's why I think the Holy Spirit be placed on my heart. If you are ready to let the Holy Spirit, control your life. You're going to come here. You're going to jump on this hoverboard in faith. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we're going to put the hoverboard right in the middle. Boom. And this hoverboard is going to kind of symbolize you. Yeah, turn it off so no one dies. Okay, thank you. So, if you're ready, if you're ready, if you're ready. Now, I just want to warn you, don't play. If there's one, there's one. Remember, I don't, I, altar calls, I don't, that, that don't matter. That's up to God. But on my heart, I feel like that the church of Jesus Christ probably needs to surrender control more to the Holy Spirit of the living God within them. Most of us still call him an it, and he ain't an it. Most of us don't even know he's equal to Jesus in worship. He's equal to God in worthiness. He's equal to God in all power. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are exactly equal. They are perfect trinity. Most of us don't even know that the Holy Spirit, you can even pray to the Holy Spirit, and you can even love on the Holy Spirit, and, and he will direct you to Jesus over and over and over. Some of us don't even have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We don't even know. We didn't even, we're like that family last night that we talked about, a family of four that had how many people living in their house? Five. If you're ready, if you're ready, if you're ready to give control over to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you just right over here. You're going to come over here. You're going you're gonna to circle around just like we did last night. Kendall may come up and lead you in prayer. However, we don't know. Elijah may lead you in prayer. I don't know. What Elijah, I don't know. <laughs> but if you're ready, if you're ready to surrender control, say control. Elijah had to control what? For the hoverboard to move, what did Elijah have to do? Control it. Amen? Right? Some of you, you're not letting the Holy Spirit control you. That's why you have anger issues. That's why you can't get over that hurt and pain of the past. That's why you still struggle with sin of all kinds. That's why you're not happy in your life right now. That's why you have no joy. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? 
joy. It made the top three. Some of you need to come and prophetically circle around that hoverboard and just declare, I give you, Holy Spirit, control of my life. Some of you are still dominated by sin. Some of you still have sin in your life that you don't know how to overcome. Old and young alike. Some of us have sin that we just can't overcome. We've tried it for years, haven't we? We've tried every self-help group. We've tried every self-help thing. We've tried and we've tried and we've tried. We just can't do it. We just can't do it. Because somehow or another that sinful nature is still dominating you. Two key words tonight, control and dominate. Either sin is dominating you or the Holy Spirit's controlling you. Amen? We try to make a middle ground. We try to color with a gray crayon when God's coloring with black and white. Well, I'm not that bad, Pastor. I just don't have any passion for the Lord. I'm not really a sinner, sinner, because I'm not doing anything bad. I just haven't committed my life to Jesus. I'm just not radical. I'm radical about 15 other things. Jesus makes my top 20 priority list of my passion, but not number one. So I'm not that bad, Pastor. I'll let the real sinners go up. I don't know where we get that garbage. I don't know where we get this idea that God has a middle ground. And some of you are ready. Some of you aren't. That's okay. But if you're ready tonight, you want to give up control to the Holy Spirit. And on these altar rails, on these altar rails, I'm assuming, I'm assuming these altar rails have been used a few times, correct? They've been used a few times, amen? I've got to believe that. Tonight, tonight, let's use them again. You got sin that's dominating you? Come to the altar. I know uh, I was at a conversation this morning. Somebody was talking about that, uh, that awkward altar call last night where there's no music. And, and like, we just didn't know. We just all waited and waited and waited. Adam, I am okay with ever whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, brother. So if he leads you for music right now, you go for it. I trust the Holy Spirit completely in your name. So however the Holy Spirit leads you. And your team. Control. You're ready to let the Holy Spirit control you. I'm done. I'm just repeating the altar call. You got a sin that's dominating your life. You got a sin that's dominating your life and you need prayer. I'll come and pray over you right here. We'll have prayer time. I'm sure people could come forward and we'll pray for you if you're here at this altar rail. You're ready for the Holy Spirit to control your life. And or you've got sin that you need to deal with right here in this altar rail. Thank you for being bold, brother. There's a whole lot more out there. We'll just wait. 
You got sin in your life that's dominating you. You got sin in your life. You got anger. You got hurt. You got woundedness. You got identity issues. You got something in your life you just can't deal with. You, you've been trying and trying and trying. Pride, arrogance. You got sin in your life that you just can't deal with. This altar rails for you right here, guys, gals, whoever you are. Thank you so much for being brave and being bold and being real. Y'all can begin to pray over there at that hoverboard. Y'all can begin to pray and ask God to take control of your life, however you are led to do that. I, I don't you know if Kendall's over there, but somebody's over there. They'll pray for you here at some point. But just this is your moment with God. And, and that hoverboard is you. And, and you've been trying to control your life. You've been trying to control uh, all of your parts of your life. You've been trying to, you still are in control. You're a Christian. You love Jesus, but you're controlling your life. And the Holy Spirit says, I want to control your life. I'm, the, I'm God inside of you. I want to control you. You're like a hoverboard run amok. You're like a hoverboard with a, a bad battery. You're, you're like a hoverboard that's not working real well because you haven't let me control your life. Now, what I'm going to do may not be easy, and what I may not do may not be fun, and what I may do in your life may not be exactly what you plan to do. Listen to Adam's testimony from earlier. But what I do is going to be good, and it's going to be right, and it's going to be justice, and it's going to be beautiful if you trust me. But you're going to have to surrender control. And up here at this altar rail, there's a sin that continues to dominate. It dominates your thinking. It dominates your actions. It, it dominates your heart. There's something here. I, I, I kind of feel like there's still more. I'm not going to push. The Holy Spirit doesn't push. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, your heart gets a pounding, right? It's hard to swallow. You're thinking, I really need to go up there. I, I've been hiding this sin of lust for a long time. I have road rage. I, I can't stand when people act a fool on the roadway. That's a sin, actually. That's a sin. It's a sin of malice and hate and, and wrath and rage. I can't forgive the person who hurt me. That person that hurt me, that person that deeply wounded me. The father, the mother, the ex-husband, the ex-wife, the, the child, the parent. Somebody hurt me deeply. Somebody hurt me, and I can't, I haven't forgiven them. I'm sitting here right now, and that's the sin that's dominating my life. My sin that dominates my life is unforgiveness. I can't let that go. How can I let that go when the person is, is, was, was, a, was horrible to me? But see, your unforgiveness keeps you in the cage. That person is free. You're the one in the cage because of your unforgiveness. So whatever that dominating sin, maybe it's language. I learned, I learned to cuss about age seven. I learned to cuss really good because of my daddy. I had to really surrender that mouth of mine when I came to Christ. And it was a sin that continued to hold on to me for a while. Maybe it's that heart that's just not real excited about Jesus anymore. Remember when you came to Jesus? Remember that? Remember that first love? It's like asking someone out on a date and they actually said yes. And they said, oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, you got love in your heart like never before. But you know what? Your life has now gone a different way. Somebody hurt you. You've gone. Things didn't work out the way you thought they were going to work out. And maybe, just maybe, after a few years of walking with Jesus, you're cold in your heart. Your heart has grown cold. There is no fire in your heart. That's actually a sin that dominates you. 
The Bible tells us to keep the flame in our hearts alive. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us to keep the fire going, keep the zeal burning. So if you're here tonight and you're apathetic to God and your heart is cold to God, that's a sin that dominates you. And how about this? We talked about this last night. There's still Christian atheists in the house. Still people pretending. It's a show. It's like nothing's really happened in their life yet. Nothing's really happened in their life. Something hasn't happened in their life yet. Their heart hasn't been just blown open by the love of Jesus. Something hasn't really happened in their life. And, and they haven't really, but they can't tell anybody because they, you know, it'd be embarrassing. You don't have to tell anybody but God. Are you here tonight with a sin that dominates you? And you still want to give control over to the Holy Spirit. Are, are, are you willing? Are you ready? Are you wanting? I'm going to start praying for some of these folk, and if you know, if you see some of these folk, you know them, you're welcome to come up and pray for them as well. I think there's still more folk who are dominated by sin, and there's probably more folk who want to give control and should control, give control over to the Holy Spirit, but, but the Holy Spirit is working on you. It's an invitation. It's not anything forced. Guys, I love you so much. Anybody, the last thing I'll say, um, anybody think the world is in some dire straits? Anybody think the world is kind of like, whew, is, is in a bad shape? You know what the Bible's solution for the world is? On fire Christians. So are you on fire? I just, are you, are you sitting here, or on, are you on fire? Are you as on fire as you'd like to be? If not, you either haven't given control of the Holy Spirit or you have a sin that dominates you. I'm trying to make it as simple as I can tonight. That's what the Bible says. If you're not totally on fire for the Lord, either you haven't given control over yet or there's something dominating you. That's as simple as the scripture gets. You want to change the world? Be on fire for Jesus. That is the Bible answer. So if you're not on fire for Jesus, why not? Where's your passions at? What stole your joy? What happened? What happened? We're going to pray for these folk. You can keep on coming. However, we want to pray for these folk. I don't even know. I see Chuck. Uh, <laughs> um. Tend a little bit. I need to tend. There he is. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you for these folk right now, brave enough to take a step forward and say, Lord, there's sin in my life that dominates me. It's thinking or it's my heart, it's something, whatever it is. Lord, there's no shame in that. There's no condemnation in that. There is freedom in that. There is freedom in that. So I just 
pray right now in Jesus' name for great freedom. Freedom, Lord, for these precious folks. Freedom to just live a life of a, of a saint, not a sinner. Not to allow that stuff in their hearts or their heads to dominate anymore. I, I know it may, just, it may be a more than just a moment of time at an altar rail. But oh, what a great moment right now to begin to have this altar rail to say, I don't want any sin dominating my life. I don't. I don't want that sin in my life. I don't. Whatever that sin is. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us understand your definition of sin, not ours. Worry. Worry is a sin. Worry is a sin. When we worry, it's a sin. And so I just ask and pray, Lord, right now that you would just release these precious ones from any domination of that power of sin in their life. Let them know. Let them see it. Let them understand clearly by the power of your Holy Spirit. That possum is dead. It's dead. It's dead. Now, I know that stain can hang around, but I pray that you will give them great wisdom and great uh, revelation, great understanding, and a great foundation in the Word of God to understand it. Their sin, this sin does not have to dominate them. It can be eradicated by the love of the, by the blood, by the power of, of Jesus Christ as appropriated by the Holy Spirit. I pray you bless these brave, bold people who have come forward and said, I, it, I, I just want something in my life to just, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. There's something in my life I just don't want in my, in my life anymore. I don't want the thinking. I don't want the heartache. I don't want the. I don't want this downcast spirit. I don't want a critical spirit. A, a critical spirit is sin to God. We're not called to be have critical spirits. That's a sin to God, and that can be a dominating spirit. So we give that over to you. We give that over to you. And just ask and pray that you bless and, and you encourage these precious ones who are here. And there may be some sitting there who are dealing with you right now. I pray that there might be some who are dealing with you right now. But for these right now at this altar rail, will you bless them for their boldness? Will you bless them for their authenticity? Will you bless them for their sincerity? Will you bless them for their realness? Will you bless them for coming to you just as they are saying, Lord, I love you. I've given my life over to you. I know that you're my God. You're my king. You're my savior. But I know that there's still some sin in my life that kind of dominates my head and my heart. And I just want to give that over to you. Absolutely no shame here. In fact, this is freedom. It's freedom to say, God, I want more of you to, to get rid of that sin that dominates my life. And Lord, for these who are sitting here who are still, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you deal with them right now. Lord, I, I, I love you so much and, and you love us so much. And I even pray, Lord, for those who are still resistant to your spirit. That, that, you will, that you will trouble their sleep tonight. That's a wonderful, beautiful, loving prayer. That you won't let them sleep well tonight. Because there's still some work to do done in their hearts and their minds. There's still something in their lives that still hold them back from being radically on fire for you, God. They're waiting for something in the world to change the world. When, God, you've already told us what's supposed to change the world. The light of Jesus shining in us is supposed to change the world. That's what's supposed to change the world. So we ask and pray, God, for whoever is still here, still resisting, still holding back, still thinking that peer pressure. I speak to youth and young people and old people alike. I know that sometimes we look at the person next to us and we think, I can't give that. I can't let them know. I can't let them know. Lord, if that's, if, if for whatever reason you want to deal with them privately, then deal with them privately. 
There is no pressure to come forward except, Lord, that may be a step toward this sense of release. That just as people over in that side came to say, I, I give you control, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I give you control. And I pray you keep working in us right now. And as we're sitting, as we're humming, as we're singing, as we're, as we're praying. And just maybe, just maybe, just maybe we checked out of the service a few hours ago. Holy Spirit, you've not checked out on us, praise be to God. You're still working in us and you're still calling us. You're wooing us. You will not stop. It was prayed earlier in the beautiful prayer in the prayer room. Release the hound dogs of heaven tonight. Release the hound dogs of heaven tonight. Holy Spirit, hunt. Holy Spirit, hunt. Find the ones who are still resistant. Find the ones who are still battling the sin that dominates their thinking and their heart. Find the ones who think they have to do this alone. Holy Spirit, change our hearts and our minds. If we are still sitting here thinking we're sinners, but yet we were born again, that is a lie from the devil. We're not. Now, if we're not born again, I pray, dear God, that you teach us and show us the reality of our condition. Show us the reality of our condition. Show us the reality of where we are. Help us not to listen to our own hearts. Our hearts are deceiving above all things. I pray, Lord, that we'll listen to your Holy Spirit in love and truth and grace. Speak to us and say, this is where I want you, my child. This is where you are. we got a ways to go, but trust me, you get on my hoverboard, we're going to go. Holy Spirit, speak, move. For those who gave up control, I pray. That I, we, I, Lord, I think we've done this a few times, and I, I kind of have a sense. The very first thing that's going to whop them in the head, the very first thing that's going to come and, and smack them right in the face tonight or tomorrow is they're going to want to take control back. And I pray they have a vision of a hoverboard right there in front of them. I can't jump on that anymore. I, I, that's not. See, the hoverboard is me. I need the Holy Spirit to direct me. I need the Holy Spirit to control my life. I've controlled my life far too long. I thank you and praise you for the bravery of these folks tonight and even the bravery of the folks sitting here if they're letting you deal with them. If you're letting the, Lord, if we, if we as, as it's been, as it's old hymn, have a little talk with Jesus, right? If we're having a little talk with Jesus right now, praise be to God. Holy Spirit, will you be at work in hearts and minds? Will you continue long into the night, long past the ice cream? People sitting at their the table, sitting on their recliner, sitting and watching TV, troubled, troubled, wholly troubled, wholly troubled, because they know there's still sin that dominates them, and they still have not given up control of the to the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, will you do what you do best? Will you change us from the inside out? Will you truly make us aware of your love and your grace and your power? Will you truly make us aware of your incredible transforming love oh my gosh and may you set us a fire may you set us ablaze forgive us God one last thing I think on my heart Lord and oh it is a dominating sin when our passions are for something else than Jesus the Old Testament has a word for that idolatry if we are more passionate for someone else than you, Jesus, that is a dominating sin. If we are more passionate about a hobby or a sport or about something in our lives 
than we are about you. That is a sin. It's called a dominating sin. Because our passion should be for you and you alone. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Above all else, seek ye first the kingdom. I pray, dear God, that you will help us understand if our passions are misdirected, if our passions are misguided, you're calling us. You're calling us. If there's ever been a time, God, you're calling the church to come awake and to come alive, it is now. If there's ever been a time in history that you're calling the church to be revived in the power and the love of God through the work of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, it is now. If there's ever been a time for the church to wake up from their sleep, it is now. Wake us up, God. Wake us up with your love and your power. Convict us. Bring us to repentance, yes. But quickly come in with your grace and your mercy and say, Ah, oh, I've been waiting for you, child. I've been waiting for you, son. I've been waiting for you, daughter. Now let's go together. Let's go in power and let's go in might. Let's not let sin dominate your life. Let me control your life and let's see what I can do through you. If there's ever a time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up, it is now. I pray we wake up. We wake up. Help us to hate sin. Help us to love you. Help us to hate sin. Help us to love you. Help us to hate sin. Help us to love you. I pray our desire as we leave here is I want to please you, God. I want to please you, God. I want to please you, God. And the scripture tells us clearly that only those controlled by the Holy Spirit can please God. We want to be controlled by your Holy Spirit. Even when we don't, we do. Lead us. Guide us. Oh, gracious God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you.